It's time for another LA Kings fan feedback show. We continue to talk about the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, the progress of Quentin Byfield, Gabe Velarde's comments about LA, and more on this edition of Locked On LA Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked On LA Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love for you to leave us a positive comment on Apple Podcasts if you're a fan of the show. And we're also on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you were enjoying this content. I'm Eddie Garcia, your host of Locked On LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for the past 30 years, 20 plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network. I'm also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 17 years and a passionate LA Kings fan for 30 years. It is time for another LA Kings fan feedback show. We do these every Friday. Uh, Got a lot of questions and comments to get to. So as usual, we will get right in them. And as usual, we will start with the emails, and the first comes from Rich in San Pedro, who literally lives like two or three blocks away from me, and he says, uh, hope all is well. Uh, let's harp on the Quentin Byfield saga a little bit more. Here's my take. Let's be careful what we wish for, Kings fans. I think Kings fans see Tim Stutzla as a benchmark for QB, since we could have had Stutzla at number two instead of Quentin Byfield. Let's see the career stats so far for Stutzla. 73 goals, 104 assists in 210 games. For Byfield, 8 goals, 25 assists in 99 games. Do we really need QB to be putting up Stutzla numbers this coming season? In my opinion, not yet. Isn't QB going into the final year of his entry-level contract? If QB comes out of the gates and gives a Stutzla numbers, uh, or gives Stutzla numbers, then there is no way we can afford him next year, and the Kings would be in the same situation where we would lose him, uh, as if uh, he wants Stutzla type of a contract for eight plus million a year. If he comes out and has an okay year, then the Kings can afford a bridge contract. Kings will need to make a decision on Roy, Lazat, Arvidsson, Grunstrom, Kaliev, and Jared Anderson Dolan and still need to find a way to sign two goalies next year. Cap friendly is not looking very friendly for next year, so maybe it's okay to be patient with QB for one more year. Thanks, Eddie, and go Kings go. Uh, thanks for the email, Rich. I would say uh, my first reaction is you don't have to worry about Quentin Byfield putting up 20 goals and 40 points next season. I just don't see that happening. Um, you're arguing um, maybe we should be thankful for him to not turn into Tim Slitzla for next season because you think we might not be able to afford him. Uh, I would say even if he, let's just for the sake of argument, let's say he does explode and score 20-plus goals and get close to 50 points. That would be, I think we would all be amazed and thrilled by that. Even if that happens, he's not going to demand uh, $8 million a year and some huge contract extension. Yes, you're right. He is going into the final season of his entry-level contract. But as we saw with Gabe Velarde, who had his sort of breakout season this past year, uh, that doesn't translate into just you know a team offering that player you know a, a huge uh contract uh i think if quentin byfield does have a really really breakout season and puts up numbers the kings are still going to say that was great we're so excited this is awesome but we need to see more before we really commit to you and gabe velarde coming off that season 
he got a two-year deal worth 3.5 million per season from the Winnipeg Jets. So even him kind of coming off his quote-unquote breakout season and even the Jets being optimistic that this is what they're going to see more from him going forward and he's still a young player, uh, they weren't committed to him big time. So uh, like I said, I, I don't think that's going to happen with Quentin Byfield as far as him having a big breakout year. If it does, great. Um, but if it does, I'm not too worried that he's going to be the reason why the Kings are not going to be able to re-sign some key players for next season. I think that you talked about the bridge deal. I think that's what that's what would happen. There would be kind of a, okay, that was great. Here's what we're offering. It's a raise for sure, but we need to see it again. And if we do see it again, then we're willing to commit for more term and more money and more years and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't think that that's going to be a big consideration. And I don't think that's a big, again, fear. I think slow improvement from Quinton Byfield, another step is what we can realistically expect. But I, I, I think Quinton Byfield is still a couple years away from really turning into something where we're like, okay, it was worth the wait. It was worth the patience. I don't think we're going to see it this year, to be honest with you. Um, you also mentioned, uh, some of the players that are going to be free agents next season, uh, the keys we've talked about a little bit before, Victor Arvidsson, Matt Roy are probably the two keys, other than, of course, the goaltenders. You do have Quinton Byfield and Arthur Callia both coming off their rookie deals. They'll be restricted free agents. Everyone else, Lazat, Grundstrom, Jared Anderson, Dolan, those are guys that can be replaced if necessary. And the Kings will get a little bit of cap relief next year when Andre Kovatar's contract goes from $10 million a year to $7 million a year. Our next email comes from David. He's in Las Vegas. He says, I've been meaning to write for a while, and I haven't been able to until today, so I've got some thoughts. I'm a quarter-season member, quarter-season ticket holder, and everydayer, and I try to go as often as I can to games. Uh, it has its benefits. Last year, I got to ride on the Zamboni for the first time. Uh, he says, number one, I rooted for Florida, uh, and now the Golden Knights fans are going to be super obnoxious after they won the Cup. Everyone in Vegas is trying to cash in on them everywhere I go. I saw maybe five minutes of the Stanley Cup playoffs after Florida lost the first game. Funny, after 20-plus years, Florida has one Stanley Cup victory. Vegas is spoiled. The Kings used to show the banners of both of our Cup wins uh, when we played them, and now that dig has lost some momentum. Number two, Gabe Velarde was not wrong about L.A. as a whole, not caring about the team. We do have passionate fans, but our media coverage is pitiful. The L.A. Times dropped their coverage years ago and now relies on the Associated Press, which is embarrassing. They only cover the hockey when it's convenient for them. Number three, I do not feel that L.A. was fleeced in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. We had to free up roster space to allow the newer draft picks a shot at making the team. Giving him up was a necessary component for the future advancement of the prospects. Where do we expect Fagamo, Turcotte, Pinelli, etc., cetera, uh, if there are no spots? Unfortunately, that also costs us Ayafalo and Kupari. If Ayafalo struggled, then L.A. would hear about it from fans, uh, about how overpaid he was, uh, that he was taking up a spot, and that he needed to be traded. Now Velarde will be with the Jets, or now Velarde will be the Jets' problem in two years if he chooses not to re-sign there, and they'll have to go through the same thing Calgary just went through. Number four, Jersey had to go. How many times were people on the edge because of his play? Uh, did it suck having to also send that pick in the PLD trade? Sure, but it was better to trade him away for something than losing a player to waivers. I wish him and all the previous members well, as long as they're not playing for the Vegas Golden Knights. Finally, I started going to games when I could start to afford them. When Potvin was in LA, I'm sure I still have a Felix Cat patch somewhere in my garage. So lots of thoughts there from David. Unfortunately, he's in Las Vegas and has to live amongst the Golden Knights fans. But uh, David, I commend you for uh, 
not switching over as uh, a lot of uh, Vegas was a pretty strong LA Kings uh, base as far as fans. Uh, but then the Vegas Golden Knights came in and a lot of them switched over to the Golden Knights. So, which I understand, but uh, I know you said that Vegas uh, Golden Knights fans are now going to be obnoxious because they won the cup. Is it possible for them to be more, more obnoxious than they already were? They were pretty obnoxious already. And yes, they are spoiled. And I think they would, hopefully they would admit that themselves. I do have to completely agree with you about the media coverage in LA. Um, but I think the LA Times thing, it's that was kind of more of a newspaper thing. Newspapers are dying in this country. The LA, uh, the uh, New York Times recently got rid of their entire sports department and they're all using sports stories from The Athletic, which I guess the, their company owns or something. So that's a newspaper thing as far as The Times goes. But you're right. The media coverage for hockey in Los Angeles is pretty, pretty pathetic, which is good for people like me who, uh, uh, you know, get this out there for you guys. And, and it's something that hockey fans I know are thirsty for. Uh, as far as the uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, I, I continue to think it was a good deal for both teams. L.A. got the best player in the deal. Um, as you said, there are other players ready to move in and take spots of some of the players that moved out. Um, and I think it was a good pickup for, for for Winnipeg. I think they got good value for a player they knew that they needed to ship out anyway. Uh, this comes from Jason. He is in Redondo Beach. He says, I'm an everydayer, and I've been listening for a year and a half to two years. So I, I think that's how long this show has existed, first with Sarah Amphibato as host and now with me. So you've apparently been uh, listening since the beginning of this show. Uh, he says, congrats on your one-year anniversary. You've been killing it. Uh, we met once at a Kings game where you gave me a locked on LA Kings hat. I remember that. He says, I wear it to all my beer league hockey games. Uh, we also play each other on Sunday at the skating edge rink. Uh, he says, I have a few questions. If you could answer a couple, number one, where are you playing on Sunday? I I'm a beer league hockey player. Um, I, where are you playing on Saturday? He asked, um, I play Friday, Saturday at, uh, Lakewood, uh, the rinks at Lakewood right next to the long beach airport. And then I play on Sunday, as you know, at the skating edge in Harbor city. Uh, he says, number two, uh, when drew and Kopi got their statues, what did you think, uh, that they would do? And what would you do? Uh, I'd like it to be incorporated with Dustin Brown statue. Uh, see you Sunday. And maybe we can get a picture together. Uh, first, yes, we can definitely make that happen. Um, uh, the statue things. Um, I know that they are, uh, upgrading crypto.com arena over the next couple of years. And I know they're getting rid of that street that is in between LA Live and Crypto.com Arena. I think it's called Chick Hearn Court. Um, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do with that area. Um, I think it would be really cool to kind of, I don't know, if you could turn it into kind of a park in some ways where you get rid of that street and then you fill it in and you can put different things there. I actually would like to see them move some of the statues maybe they could have kind of a hall of fame plaza area to put all kind of the statues in a kind of a better location they're all kind of crammed together in front of that that side of of crypto.com arena and it's getting a little crowded frankly um and i I've, I've been to philadelphia before they have all of their three um stadium slash arenas together and they all share a giant parking lot and they've got these huge sports bars there and everything else and they've got statues kind of lining the walkways where you can go to all the different places there's the eagle stadium lincoln financial field there's the baseball stadium citizens bank park i think for the phillies and then the arena for the flyers and 76ers is there as well uh, i can't remember the name of that off offhand but anyway 
Um, they're all kind of connected. And I, I, I think maybe there's a smaller version of that that could kind of take place between LA Live and, and Crypto.com Arena and turn that into something, you know, where people can hang out and, and, and maybe the statues could kind of go in that area. I don't know. Just my thoughts. But I do, I, I like the sentiment, what you're saying, that Kopitar and Quick statues should somewhere be around Dustin Brown's statue. Uh, but who knows? I think it's just where they have room for it. Uh, we've got a lot more to talk about. I've got a few emails and a tweet that I want to get to as well. Uh, we'll do that in just a second here on Locked on LA Kings, your team every day. Hey, take your first swings at Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount back in a bonus bet. That is $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in a bonus bet, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting on everything from money line to over under to who you think might hit the first home run. It's all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There is no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in a bonus bet. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Uh, let's get to a tweet uh, that we got over at at Locked on LA Kings or X or whatever they're calling it these days. Uh, this comes from Teresa Allen. She is at Teresa L. Allen on Twitter. She says, I've been a hockey fan since I was four years old, since my father was born and raised in Winnipeg. Hockey rules in Canada. It does not in Los Angeles. I understand exactly what Gabe Velarde was talking about. It's the religion there. Americans need to get over themselves. And I am an American. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean by we need to get over ourselves. Um, but I will say in that whole Gabe Velarde thing where he said in a conference call, uh, LA, uh, LA, uh, in LA, they're not big hockey fans, obviously, was the quote. Um, and I, again, I'm just pushing back on the idea that if you are a fan or a fan base from place X, that you are a better fan or a fan base than place Y because of where you are on a map, because you're in the Northeast in the United States, because you're in Minnesota, because you're in Canada, that somehow makes you a better or more passionate hockey fan than someone in Los Angeles, Vegas, Dallas, Tampa Bay, whatever. Um, I certainly am not uh, ignorant to the fact that Canada is covered. The sport of hockey is covered in Canada uh, much more than it is in the United States. Obviously, it's their national pastime. It's part of their culture. It's where the game was born. I get all that. Um, but again, I'm just pushing back on the idea that if you if you are from a certain area, it makes you a better fan. Like there are people in the South that they feel like they're better college football fans than you are because it's a religion down there. Well, I you know like there's still passionate football fans everywhere. Maybe on the whole, yeah, it's more passionate there in that area. But again, I just, I don't like the idea. And, and look, I'm coming from a guy who was born in Hawaii and raised in California. I believe my passion for hockey is just as deep and as big as someone born in Toronto. I get that I didn't grow up, grow up with it from day one like you did. Uh, I get that, you know, I didn't play it on, on an ice rink in my backyard, but I'm just saying I believe my passion for the sport is just as valid and as just as uh, legitimate as someone who was born in a place where it's, you know, on the whole, the game is more covered and things like that. That's kind of the point. 
that I'm trying to make. I thank you for the tweet. Um, this comes from Don L. He is in North Hollywood Beach. I didn't know there was a North Hollywood Beach. Maybe I read that wrong. Uh, he says, uh, regular watcher here. Well, Don, since you are about to correct me on something, let me correct you on something. Don, you are not a regular watcher. You're an everydayer. Uh, he says, about Samuel Fagamo. Uh, before I discuss the player, I really think we need to get his name right once and for all. I've heard some media people in the Kings organization say it correctly, at least some of the time. These include Jared Stoll, Patrick O'Neill, Carlin Bath, and Jesse Cohen. I'm certain because I have a friend from Sweden who told me how to pronounce it, that it's pronounced Fogamo, with the accent on the first syllable. The A is pronounced like an O in the words jolly and folly. A Swedish person with that European lilt in their accent might say, Fogimo, but according to my friend, an American would typically say Fogimo. If you're still doubtful, try to get a Swedish guest on your show and ask them. Anyway, Samuel Fogimo, if he comes really primed to make the club this year, has a real great camp and an exhibition season, could end up being a more significant factor for the team than most fans realize. Of course, it's up to him to deliver the goods, but I'm looking at him to grab a fourth-line right-wing spot with Lozada and perhaps fellow Swede Grundstrom or Jared Anderson Dolan on the left side. He's got two big things going for him. If he plays well enough to please the coaches, number one, he's a right shot, making him one of only three right shots among our 14 group of forwards. And one of those is Trevor Lewis, a pure defensive and PK guy who's not going to be a big factor as a shooter for the Kings. Also, Bogamo is especially effective on the power play where he can score from a few different spots. The power play affords him the offensive freedom to let his hair down, so to speak, and be more creative and dangerous. His right shot, if he makes the club, completes our second power play unit. He's got a smooth, easy release on his shot. He likes a, a one-time or two. Uh, he's one of those guys who gets something like half of his total offense on the power play. In addition, Fagamo is good at shootouts where he has a smooth release, where his smooth release comes in handy. He won two or three games for the rain this past season on shootout goals. At even strength, Fagamo plays uh, defense first style, suitable for a bottom six checking role, and saves his offense strictly for the occasional counterattack when doable. Uh, due to his good hockey sense and skating and a solid work ethic, the rain also used him on the PK at times this past season. I've heard it said that he plays the right way in coach's eyes. He currently is listed as uh, in the hockey database at six foot, 200 pounds. While he's not huge, he has all the, he is not at all a small forward. If Bogomo falters, then all bets are off. But if he has a great camp and exhibition, he could be off to a very nice rookie season, 15 plus goals and 30 ish points. Half of that on the power play. Not saying it's going to happen, but it's possible, in my opinion, more possible than you think. All right, Don, thank you for that. Uh, good take. Um, I'm glad you brought this up because I do pride myself on the pronunciation of names. That said, I have to admit that this player has been a bit of an issue. Uh, when the Kings drafted him, and you can go see this on YouTube, Mark Unetti, the director of amateur scouting, said that the Kings select Samuel Thagamo. Now, if you watch the Swedish highlights of him, it's Fogimo. If you watch a video of his first NHL goal, this is my favorite, Alex Faust said Fogimo on the goal, and then Jim Fox, in analyzing the goal, called him Fogimo. Uh, I texted Jared Schaffron, who was a guest on the show this week. He is the manager of communications and content for the rain. He texted me back that it's pronounced Fogimo, um, with the emphasis on the second syllable, Fogimo. I floated back and forth on this and I need to pick one and stick with it. And I'm still not exactly sure what I'm going to do. Um, as for his game, I think he's a bit of a dark horse to get on that fourth line. 
Um, the Kings did show him a vote of confidence last season when Victor Arvidsson was hurt by giving him some, they gave him a good hard look uh, kind of in the preseason. I think that was a good sign for him. I do think you're right. I do think he plays the game the right way. And I know that's big in Todd McClellan's book. Um, but the fourth line, I think you, you've got Trevor, um, you've got Blake Lazat at center. I think that's pretty much in stone. And I got to believe Trevor Lewis is going to get one of those winger spots. I, you know, with the emphasis on improving the penalty kill, I think they want Trevor Lewis in the lineup, at least if for that, if not more of the kind of the gritty game that he brings. So that leaves a spot for Jared Anderson Dolan, Carl Grundstrom, maybe Alex Turcott, and then you've got Samuel Fagamo. So, um, yeah, I think he's a guy definitely to keep an eye on, but I would say he's a little bit of a dark horse to make the team for this year on that fourth line. Uh, we, uh, again, are going to get some more emails for you, and we've got the YouTube comments to get to you in a moment here on Locked on LA Kings, your team every day. Hey, check out Locked on NHL to stay up to date on everything going on around the National Hockey League. There is still signings going on. There are arbitration hearings going on. Uh, so there's still always news year-round, and this show is still giving you a show Monday through Friday. That is Locked on NHL. Check it out to keep up to date on everything going around the National Hockey League. Locked on NHL on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. Uh, let's get into some of the YouTube comments uh, on all the trades and signings made by the Kings this offseason. This comes from Ricky Hazel 1030. He says, Ellie really didn't move any player that was an, expend an expendable asset management-wise. I do feel it was a bit of uh, mismanagement to the extent that five really solid NHL players, some with an extremely high potential, and three second-round picks for two really good players, one NHL player and a guy who might be in the ECHL. When taken on the whole, the loss of depth might be bigger than the gain in skill. Taken individually, the Peterson trade wasn't really bad considering what it was used, uh, what it usually costs to unload a bad contract. Two seconds, an NHL D-man without a roster spot who would likely be a top-tier uh, player in Philadelphia, ironically. And some cap space isn't much to move, almost $6 million in cap space, used for Gabrikov, so win. Uh, the Jersey trade is a Rob Blake trade where you're not disappointed, but still a little underwhelming with the return. Uh, so return, uh, the PLD trade is a high-risk trade. Blake acquired a very good player who has potential to be a point-per-game player and should be playing with Fiala, but giving up Velarde, who has a point, who has point-per-game potential. AI, who is not only fantastic defensively, but very underrated offensively. Pretty sure he's been at or around 50% pace over 82 games the last three or four seasons. Kupari, who is really due for a breakout season, he definitely got better as time went on, especially on the back end. And that second in the Jersey trade, all of that, if it goes the Jets' way, could make it a major loss for Blake if, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out with PLD. I have, I have panned the trade, but I'm over it. When I look at the roster, LA traded five really solid players and are probably a better team. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, this was in response to the uh, episode that we had on Monday where we talked about all the offseason moves, kind of looking at them as a whole and how the roster is kind of taking, taking shape for this coming season. Um, I don't think there's any doubt the Kings had to give to get, but I again, I don't think that any of the players that we lost were players that we obviously can't live without. And we'll see what Gabe Velarde turns into. I like Alex Ayafalo as a good all-around solid player, but again, I don't I don't think he's irreplaceable. I think the Kings, he again, the Kings did get a little bit uh less effective defensively. Um, 
as far as what it looks like at the moment. Um, but I think on the whole, the Kings are about team defense. I think losing a couple of pieces, I think you could fill those pieces in uh, going forward. Um, I'm The jury is still out on Rasmus Kupari. Um, he's still a young guy, and it's not fair to judge him at this point. But we'll see. I'm I'm not convinced he's going to really blossom into, you know, a top six forward in any in any sense. He's a he's a bottom six forward, I think for sure. Um, so we'll see. But I, I think again, uh, overall, I think the Kings improved in an area where they felt they needed to improve to take the next step. And I think the other spots that they are going to need to fill in, I think they feel like they've got the pieces in the organization to to be able to fill in those spots. But the depth is going to be an issue. Fingers crossed the Kings stay healthy for next season. Uh, this on the possibility of Eric Portillo being the future in net for the LA Kings. This comes from Aquaman 01. He says, if Eric Portillo has a great season for the rain, do the Kings give him a shot next year for a starting role or at least a 1B role considering we have no one signed past this season in goal? Uh, I would say that I would doubt it. Um, he would have to have one hell of a season for the Kings to consider him the number one goalie for next year. But let's just say for the sake of argument, he just absolutely dominates the AHL. Uh, it's still a big jump from the AHL to the NHL. Um, but again, if he does have this over-the-top crazy season, um, I think the Kings might consider him as the number one goalie with a veteran backup in case he's not ready. But if he isn't ready, I don't think there's any way he would be a 1B type of a goaltender for the Kings. I think they would still say, Okay, you've shown a lot of promise. We've given you a taste of the NHL. It didn't work out. Back to the AHL you go to get more seasoning. We're not going to have you sitting on the bench watching someone else play when you need to get reps. Uh, you're still young. I think there's, you know, again, there's a slight, a very small chance that if he that he could just have this unbelievable season and be considered the number one goalie next year. I, I just think that's kind of far-fetched. But if he does, if he does, uh, and then he doesn't really it doesn't really work out. There's no way they would leave him as the second goalie. They would put him back in the AHL and let him get more playing time and continue to develop. Uh, this uh, comment on the YouTube uh, was about the Kings defensive pairings for next season, talking about the uh, third pairing. We talked about we talked about earlier about the fourth uh, line uh, for the Kings and the competition that's there because the first three lines are pretty much set. Also, the same thing goes for the top two defensive pairings for the Kings, but there is a, a bit of a debate and maybe a battle for that third pairing role and see who's going to be there. This comes from Wrong Beach 35. He says, put Andreas England with Brant Clark on the third pairing. Short and sweet. Um, I would be very surprised if Tobias Bjornfoot is not on the left side on that third pairing. Um, now, it depends on how what the Kings feel they need because Andreas England is a bigger, more physical guy. If they feel like they need someone, to have a more physical role on the blue line, then I could see him getting the nod. But Tobias Bjorn, but they spent a first-round pick on him. Um, yeah, he's not as big and physical as Andreas England, but he's got more NHL playing time. I think he can do the job defensively just as well, and neither one of them give you much offensively. I just think the investment they've made in Bjornfoot, I think it's his job to lose. So we'll see what happens. And finally, uh, we got this from Frank Easy, 6798. I had talked about the Kings had released their promotional schedule you know, the giveaway nights and all that kind of stuff. He says, how early do you generally have to show up to acquire the promo swag? Well, if it's something that they're giving out, and you'll have to check the details, but if it's something they're giving out to all fans in attendance, then you don't have to show up early at all because they pass those out as you're leaving the game. Um, if it's something for like the first 5,000 fans, something like that, 
if you show up before the gates open, you'll get you're gonna get the you're gonna get the item, the hat, the bobblehead, whatever it is. So um yeah as long as you show up before the gates open there's not usually a mass of people waiting to get it you know it is la right we like to show up uh right around face off maybe even a little bit later so yeah if you show up when the gates open i think it's an hour to an hour and a half before the puck drops that they open the gates you're if you show up before then you're gonna get whatever they're giving away if it's one of those things for it's where it's for the first blank thousand fans so there you go Thank you to everyone who uh, took the time to write an email or to comment on the YouTube episodes. Obviously, this show is literally not possible without your uh, feedback. So appreciate that. We'll do it again next Friday. Uh, the email address, which you can send an email to at any time, is lockedoneddie at gmail.com, E-D-D-I-E. You can also post your comments on the YouTube channels, as always. Uh, for you everydayers, obviously, we're going to do this all again next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Monday, we'll have a special feature Wednesday, hopefully, we'll have a special guest, and then Friday, we'll have the fan feedback show again. Thanks, you guys. Thank you guys for sticking with the show during this slowdown period uh, in the NHL. Like I said, in about a month, we'll get right back into the swing of things, giving you a show Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. If you want to stay connected with the show, uh, we would love for you to follow us on Twitter or X or whatever it is, uh, and Instagram. We are at Locked On LA Kings. I'm Eddie Garcia. Thank you, as always, for listening and watching this episode of Locked On LA Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. And as always, go Kings go.